Welcome to everyone joining us in this webinar. We have a large number of you tuning in, which is always good to see. We look forward to running this session for you. Also, it's recently published an updated edition of the Guide to Traffic Management Part 3, Traffic Studies and Analysis, and we'll be outlining the key changes to the guide. My name is Eliz and I'll be moderating this webinar and providing technical support. Simply use your chat box in your webinar sidebar if you are experiencing any technical issues. Osteroids is proud to bring this webinar to you today. So Osteroids supports its member organisations, those listed here, to deliver an improved road transport network. Our members are collectively responsible for managing 900,000 kilometres of roads valued at more than $200 billion. Our collective approach delivers value for money, encourages shared knowledge and drives consistency for road users. So today our speaker will present for approximately 35 minutes and then we have 15 minutes at the end for question time. As usual, we are recording today's session and we'll email you once it is available. We upload all of our webinar recordings on our website which is listed on the slide and we encourage you to check it out to view our previous sessions. And the presentation slides to this webinar is also available in the handout section. Please don't be afraid to participate in the webinar by asking our presenter any questions that you have. There is a function where you can type your questions into the questions box that you could see in your sidebar. You could send through questions at any time throughout the webinar. When submitting your question, please indicate the slide number your question relates to. We'll then answer them at the end. Our presenter today will be highlighting some of the key changes to the guide based on areas such as emerging data sources, high-level modelling guidelines and latest initiatives in traffic capacity analysis. The guide is available from the Osteroids Publications website via the link shown on this slide. Staff from Osteroids member organisations can download PDF versions of the guide for free. This includes staff from all state and territory road agencies and local councils in Australia and New Zealand. Simply email osteroids.com.au from your work email to request your login details. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome our presenter today. We have Dr. Clarissa Hahn from ARB joining us. She is the principal research scientist and has over 20 years engineering and research experience in traffic studies and analysis, congestion cost estimation, transport management and operations. Hi Clarissa, it's good to have you present to us. Thank you very much, it is. Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, today, I'd like to bring you through uh, the key changes to our newly released uh, third edition of Part 3, Traffic Studies and Analysis. I will also introduce you a few uh, newly added sections and you're welcome to provide your questions, uh, your comments or any queries during my presentation and the QA time is at the end of the session. Firstly, I'd like to introduce my project team. The 2016 and 17 revision of um, Part 3 is managed by Chris Ray from Road and Maritime Services. He is representing Osroads to manage the project. From the app project team, I myself is a project leader and Dr. Yen Espada is our quality manager. Dr. Glengears is our principal advisor. 
the reviewing team, including uh, Osroads project working group members, traffic management working group members, and our stakeholders from all the road agencies and local government engaged by the working group members. And the reviewing and the final endorsement were also conducted by the NTF and Osroads board. The next slide shows our project working group members across all states in Australia and New Zealand. I'd like to utilize today's uh, opportunity to acknowledge their great contribution uh, during the consultation stage and during the revision, reviewing, and the finalization stage. That has been my great, ple uh, great pleasure to work with the whole team. Uh, let's refresh our mind uh, to think about what happened in Part 3. Uh, Part 3 is concerned with traffic studies and capacity analysis. It started from Section 2, traffic studies and the surveys, followed by Section 3, traffic analysis in terms of capacity and the level of service. And Sections 4, 5, 6 are all dealing with capacity analysis in different type of flow facilities, uninterrupted, interrupted, and different types of intersections. Section 7 is a newly added section on the high-level modeling principles and guidelines. So the 2017 release is our third edition of Part 3. Over the years, Part 3 has been improved, uh, revised, and it's, it's becoming um, a bit of seeker and, of course, reaching information. So this table highlights the key changes to the new Part 3, and I will also introduce this new content today. Hopefully, um, by the end of today's webinar, you will be able to use the Part 3 in a more efficient way. So let's have a look at this table. Section 2. Uh, we added a new section 2.6 on the new and alternative data sources. Section 2 is concerned with the traffic studies and service, providing the fundamental methodologies uh, in promoting uh, road agencies, researchers, and engineers to conduct their traf traffic service in a relatively uh, consistent way. And we are aware of the rapid development of the new and alternative data sources and disruptive technologies. So this subsection is really to deal with the impact of these new data sources. Section 3, talking about capacity and level of service, we added two new sections. 3.4 is about multimodal level of service, and 3.5 is about off-road pedestrian facility selection 2. Uh, these two sections also set up linkages to other two off-road publications. Section 4, um, we have some minor updates in terms of cross-reference in Section 4.4. And the Section 7, as I mentioned, is a new section on modeling guidelines. There has been uh, a lot of discussion within Austro's traffic management working group members. It appeared that there was a gap in the whole um, series of guide to traffic management in terms of the modeling guidelines. 
after a thorough review and a serious discussion, the traffic management working group members decided, yes, we need a separate section uh, to incorporate the modeling principles and guidelines, but at the same time, we don't want to duplicate with jurisdictional modeling guidelines, as they have been very well developed and matured in recent years. So the function of this section is basically uh, summarize some key research results and outcomes based on the off-road initiatives and set up the linkage uh, to the jurisdictional guidelines. Appendices, we have updated Appendix K in terms of emerging alternative traffic data collection technologies. We also amended a new Appendix L to provide a few very interesting use cases of the use of new and multiple data sources. Appendix M is also a new appendix which provides example packages for modeling techniques in different levels. And two commentaries were amended to support our high-level modeling guidelines. This is an overview of what's new in the new part three. Uh, let's start a bit of introduction of few of the new sections. So um, section 2.6, uh, we talk about new and alternative data sources, mainly cover the data from Bluetooth, mobile phone tracking, GPS-based probes, public transport ticketing, drones, and onboard mass monitoring systems. The details of the technologies, uh, specifications, um, benefits, or limitations are further discussed in Appendix K. Uh, in the main text of the guide, we start with the uh, generic discussion on the possible opportunities or potential benefits of using these new and alternative data sources. As we are aware of, the research and initiatives in this area has been very active. So compared to the traditional uh, data collection method and survey methods, what are the opportunities or potentials? Here I start with the new data sources could provide great geographic and temporal coverage for a local or regional or national-wide uh, data. Secondly, it, they also provide easier acquisition of long-term continuous traffic data at high resol resolution and more frequent intervals. And most of these data sources has demonstrated increased accuracy and details. Cost per unit of useful information when compared to the traditional data collection could be pretty low. For example, some of these um, technologies rely on the existing communication network and devices such as smartphones, uh, which basically no uh, additional installation maintenance cost. And also the currency of data collection and processing enable many of the real-time or near-real-time applications. And data collected for one purpose can often be reused for other applications. Um, 
so far we still deem that the alternative data sources as a supplement to the current available traditional data sources, but it will enable us to be able to use a traditional method more selectively. For example, uh, given the more and more available GPS-based probe data across states and nationwide, um, the traditional GPS floating car service are, became, are becoming more and more unattractive. We also need to bear in mind that every data source would have strengths and weakness. So in the text we have provided examples on different data sources and their features and limitations. What I'd like to highlight here is a list of limitations that you need to be aware of. First of all, it might have uh, limited sample size on low volume roads and, and also during um, off-peak time periods for many of the technologies and many of the new data sources may still rely on roadside equipment permanent or temporary um, although some of technologies are non-intrusive some others are still intrusive and many of these data sources still have limited capability to measure the total traffic volumes, which means in many cases we still have to blend our alternative data sources with our traditional volume data from scats, from streams or loops in order to provide a more comprehensive picture of the road network performance. Another point is historic data may or may not be available depending on the commit time of, the, of these new technologies. Potential sample bias here means if your, for example, your probe data came from a fleet or tax or taxes, it may produce potential sample bias that we need to be aware of when we use the data for further analysis. And finally, concerns regarding locational privacy might have limited the use of raw data in many scenarios. Okay, what would be the impact on the use of new and alternative data sources? Uh, in section 2.62, we discussed some supporting techniques. Uh, it's easy to understand that additional requirements uh, like the advanced IT technologies, cloud-based computing science would be required uh, to cater for this large amount of data collection, storage and processing. Some advanced data analytics such as data mining, data fusion would be essential to support the use and integration of these new data sources. Additional statistical techniques would also be required in order to be able to collect the data in a more smart way, be able to validate uh, the quality of the data, compare the data or assess the data against your benchmark or traditional method and be able to identify the patterns in a more systematic way. Another key feature is a road network visualization. All the traffic data nowadays are geo-referenced. So this spatial-based traffic data has been uh, displayed at a base map, which enable us to display the information in a more uh, user-friendly way in order to provide more effective decision-supporting process. The last point is information privacy and security and IP issues will also need to be um, brought into our attention.
So um, I'd like to introduce a few uh, use cases as many of these initiatives and applications or research are still ongoing. In Appendix L, we have collected a list of very interesting use cases, you know, from different jurisdictions uh, to explain what has been done, what has possibly been done in terms of use of different data sources to support a more advanced traffic studies. Let's look at a few examples. This slide shows the use case one, use of probe data for traffic studies in Perth, which is collected from Menrose WA. That was based on a 2014 research that we have validated probe data uh, from a major uh, commercial supplier against your floating car data and the loops. Basically, we have identified that probe data could be treated as alternative uh, qualified data source for measuring the congestion. So the two diagrams on the slide, one shows a travel speed profile before and after a major uh, main rail shutdown and the right-hand diagram shows a speed control or heat map along a major arterial at both um, temporal and um, uh, and your reference to dimension. So the use of probe data in Perth has been continued since then. The use case two here, we showed a another case study on the use of probe data for a congestion response plan that was also collected from manual WA and based on research in 2016. So this map shows a major 26 corridors uh, in the in Perth area, and we also uh, utilize the data, um, you know, from both the commercial suppliers, the one-year probe data, and integrate it with SCADs and the loop data to provide um, a congestion measurement and network performance uh, indicator measurements across their road network. Use case three, talk about the use of um, public transport ticketing data for bus congestion cost estimation. This case study is collected from TMR. Basically, the um, go-cut data has been used as an additional source of bus travel time estimation, and the bus congestion cost was estimated, including the average travel delay cost, the average passenger waiting time cost, and average buffer time cost, which indicate of the travel time uh, reliability. So the diagram here shows the average weekday cost split and average weekend day cost split. And the time series plotting at your right-hand side is a um, average weekday distribution of the three types of congestion costs. Another use case was collected from RMS. This is the use of probe data for the assessment of a pinch point projects in New South Wales. Actually, in this initiatives, a date fusion and before an, an after analysis two has been developed. The name is Pintna. So the two is able to integrate the 
volume data from scats and the speed data from probes and to support a performance analysis um, assessment for many of the pinch points. So the diagram shows uh, an output from a typical case study. The left-hand side shows a before and after comparison of the speed profile and the right-hand side chart is a before and after comparison of the speed and the flow relationship diagram. Another use case I'd like to talk is about, is collected from DPTI South Australia. I believe you're all aware of that uh, Traffic SA website has been able to utilize uh, data sources from multiple sources including Bluetooth, AMPR, Wi-Fi and others and they can provide real-time traffic information both from their desktop uh, APIs and also the mobile apps. So um, what I would like to uh, introduce is their Bluetooth network has been very well established. It covers about 400 sites with Bluetooth receivers and which provide about 1,200 segments of real-time travel time information that provide decision supporting to the traffic management. They also be able to broadcasting the traffic condition in real-time to the road users. So I believe a few other jurisdictions are also um, testing or trailing the App Insight apps and with time the more learnings and uh, experience will be accumulated and hopefully will be shared further. Uh, other than this, our use cases list is actually pretty large. For example, Victor has been using probe data and drone for signal performance review, and TMR has been developing the intelligent hybrid prototype to use available data sources for different traffic data parameters. And Tasmania DSG has been monitoring Hobart network by using the probe data as well. So basically it shows that the application of the new data sources has been very uh, well developed and uh, hopefully we are able to um, continue the initiatives and I have to make a point here, the data can be supplied or collected both from the public sectors and the private sectors and many of the pilots has actually been initialed and worked together between the public and private sectors. So by the time I believe um, that further impact on our traffic studies and even our network operations uh, will need to be analyzed. And in many areas is still open for research. I think so far I've talked enough about the new data source. Let's move to the next section. Okay, section 3.4, we talk about multimodal level servers uh, and its applications. Basically, multimodal level servers has been adopted. Uh, this concept has been adopted by Osroad since uh, 2013 and in the latest publication of Guide to Traffic Management Part 4, Network Operations Planning, it has provided a off-road framework which is called Movement and Place Framework that utilizes multimodal level service concept to implement 
the network operations planning. And also is also developing a tool, could be online tool, that to promote a consistent application of this framework. So further details can be downloaded from the uh, Authroads website. And section 3.5 talks about Authroads pedestrian facility selection tool. Actually, it was in section 3.4 in a previous 2013 edition. At that time, we talk about the Authroads pedestrian level service concept. In the past a couple of years, further development has been implemented and a online tool has been developed based on this pedestrian level service concept and also take into consideration of other factors. So this tool can be utilized by any jurisdictions to um, evaluate and select the pedestrian facility two in a more consistent way. Again, uh, the two is accessible from the followed link through the Oslo's website. Now let's move to section seven. As I mentioned, section seven means to be a high-level modeling guideline chapter. Uh, it talks about, um, firstly, 7.1, selection of appropriate modeling approach. Uh, section 7.2 is how to organize a modeling study, start from the objective scope analysis to the base model development, to the modeling and calibration, validation, auditing, give you a um, broad overview of generic steps in organizing a modeling study. And section 7.3 uh, particularly talks about applications of micro simulation modeling, which is based on some recent research conducted by Ausroads uh, in the micro simulation area. And the last section uh, discuss the uh, use of modeling outputs in a more appropriate way. And Appendix M is also provided uh, the latest information about example packages for modeling set techniques at different levels. Um, basically, it provides an overview for, of some fundamental guidelines on how to conduct modeling properly, and it also emphasized that you need to make a scientific decision from the very beginning of your study, as modeling, um, modeling study could be quite expensive and time-consuming. You might also like to consider alternatives uh, other than modeling, for example, sketch planning or qualitative comparative analysis between different treatments. So the next few slides give you a bit of taste that uh, what you are expecting from this section. So uh, this slide shows modeling levels and selection of modeling techniques. So this is section 7.1. We covered different level of models from macroscopic to mesoscopic hybrid models, micro simulation, nano simulation, intersection models. We also summarized the previous Oslo's research and uh, provide a flowchart here uh, on the steps or the framework uh, in terms of how to select of modeling techniques in a more uh, scientific way. The step one is review of your project context. Step two covers some 
preliminary analysis. Once you decide the modeling is wanted, you have to review the elements of your transport systems, including your input variables, output variables, context, and mechanisms, in order to find a proper modeling technique. And the last step, you need to assess your techniques and provide appropriate recommendations for further decision making. And another slide here, um, talk about section 7.3 about the micro-simulation traffic modeling. The micro-simulation traffic modeling research has been very active amongst the many um, off-road jurisdictions. So we reviewed a few uh, research since 2006, 2008, and 2010. Uh, in this section, we talked about the potential applications of micro-simulation modeling. We talk about the principles for choosing input parameters. We even provide some examples on the suggested values for input parameters of a few packages. And we also talk about some issues mentioned by the practitioners such as latent demand and some commentaries were uh, added to provide some options or discussions on how currently the latent demand issues are dealt with by the road agencies. This slide lists the key reference, uh, references for modeling guidelines. As I mentioned, the also 2006, the use and application of micro-simulation traffic models, uh, and with additional technical notes, uh, need to be acknowledged. And also 2010, guidelines for selecting techniques for modeling network operations, also providing a very good overview of the framework in terms of modeling technique selection. and. Uh, Two major jurisdictional modeling guidelines are from RMS and the Big Roads that has been very well used amongst the road agencies. And the national guidelines uh, recently been updated by Transport and Infrastructure Council 2016, the ATAP T1 should also be referenced. And some overseas or international guidelines like Transport for London 2010 or Highway Capacity Manual 2016 uh, also are very popular guidelines that has been referenced by our jurisdictional guidelines anyway. So far, I believe I have covered most of the uh, new contents uh, in the third edition of Part 3. Before I conclude my presentation today, I'd like to provide a bit of uh, updates on some future considerations. Uh, the first point I'd like to mention is about the freeway capacity analysis. As you might be aware of uh, in part three, the capacity analysis in terms of capacity estimation and level service are still largely referred to highway capacity manual from 2000 version to 2010 to 2016. Actually, our local research and practices has been developed very fast in recent years, and we are aware of some different opinions or different methodologies has been utilized by jurisdictional practitioners. And in 2016, the latest version of a guide, Oslo's Guide to Smart Motorways, has also incorporated some of the latest capacity analysis method of values uh, provided by Vicroads and RMS. 
So uh, why our part three haven't updated this section? The reason was we did identify this gap and we found there are some uh, different opinions, different methodologies, and also there are some kind of debate. Of course, it's constructive debate between jurisdictional users in terms of uh, what is a more consistent, in a consistent national guideline. So Australia is aware of this gap and some uh, additional time and budget would be required to review the current practice more thoroughly and some further research is also required in order to provide a solid uh, national guideline. So this part is looked after uh, by a separate uh, funding and separate project, but that is happening. So another few points I like to mention is about big data, about smart mobility and others like the disruptive technology technologies and what be the impact on the current traffic studies. At current stage, uh, most of our jurisdictions are still using both traditional methods and the new and alternative data sources. Many of these kind of data sources has been tested, validated, compared and sometimes blended with the traditional data. Um, so the big data concept is much more broader. I believe that new data source we discussed today is within the big picture of the big data as well. So my view is given time, the national guidelines and best practices will be evolving gradually. So this is basically what I'd like to uh, introduce for today's part three updates. And um, happy to take questions and comments. Excellent. Thank you for presenting, Clarissa. You covered lots of use cases and hopefully the audience found this helpful. We have received some questions and we thank those who have sent them through. The first question we received was from Daniel. So on slide 18, what is meant by a response plan and what action did the response plan take? So slide 18. Uh, okay, I think that needs some kind of context. Um, the congestion response plan um, is a separate document that um, has been inbuilt in the Monroe WA uh, congestion managed scenario in a much more broader sense. So I guess we may have to uh, go to the details of the reference document and currently it's not in front of me. I'm happy to go back and search the reference for you. Does that answer your question? Okay, thanks for that Clarissa. Thanks for providing background on that one. Uh, another question relates to slide 19, so the next slide. So how is the waiting time calculated given passengers tap on when they get on the bus? What about the wait time at the bus stop? It's a good question. We have been had a few discussions during this case study. Um, per my memory, because that happened last year, I think we counted the um, first touch on time and the last touch off time or something similar. There are different options we have compared. Um, then that gives you the maximum waiting time at a bus stop if the bus is running late. I hope that makes sense to you. Yeah, thanks for that. If that answers your question, Daniel, yeah, let us know. Uh, another question relates to slide 25, and the question is, what is a nano simulation? So just give us some background on that one. Uh, good question. 25. 
Yeah, nano simulation is um, nano simulation uh, considers uh, you know it's, it's a most refined level of traffic modeling. It seeks to replicate the behavior of individuals using different modes of travels, and it is particularly concerned with modeling waiting times, interaction between individuals, um, and the model requires some network description similar to Mikul simulation, but enriched with data on pedestrian space and corridors. Um, for example, sometimes it has been utilized to monitor the individual public transport users in terms of their onboard and, uh, and offboard behavior. I hope that answers your question. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for that, Clarissa. Uh, another question relates to slide 13. So this relates to traffic data sources. So do the mobile app data source include mass trip aggregators like OL? Ola and Uber, but with a bias to those using smartphones. I think mobile phone tracking here, we're more uh, concerned with the cellular-based uh, mobile phone tracking. That is why it's separated from the GPS-based probes. But sometimes these two data sources can be merged. You know, that the probes sometimes cover both the GPS-based probe and cellular mobile phone tracking data, yeah, depending on the suppliers and depending on the data mechanism. So if it's covered the Uber or not, I'm not quite sure. Sometimes, you know, this is a privacy from the supply end. Mm, okay, thanks for clarifying that one. Another question, uh, this is from Lee, so he says, Hi Clarissa, is there any consideration of measuring traffic at the point of arrival rather than the more conventional on-route measurement? This could have great potential for measuring pedestrian and bicycle traffic and also, also for identifying latent demand for use of these modes. An example of this type of measurement is a walk to school day and ride to school day stats collected in Perth. Hopefully that's this question you could answer. Um, I think that mentioned a very good point. I mm. hope I understand your questions properly. Basically, there has a big discussion. Um, we usually, for SCADs, we measure the data from the departure side, not from the arrival side. It's always a question mark, how, we, how are we able to measure demand accurately? I believe, given this kind of probe-based database and also the cloud-based traffic information system, we are able to monitor the ODs, which means we are able to track the uh, traffic from the arrival site, but how much progress has been made, I'm not quite sure at this stage. I'm aware of a few initiatives, but uh, as you mentioned, uh, the Perth thing, um, can you please send me some more information about that one? It's quite interesting. Mm-hmm. It's a good question coming through from the audience, which is good. Uh, another question is, can you define traditional methods, intrusive technologies and disruptive technologies with examples? Uh, good question. I think we didn't intendedly define these technologies because the concepts and terminologies can be evolving. For example, some of the emerging technologies we talk about Bluetooth or mobile phone or mobile phone GPS-based probes are not emerging anymore. So basically, in this guide, what we call traditional method is basically roadside or uh, in a fixed point across the road network based on the sensory data. This is what we call uh, relatively traditional data collection method. So disruptive, disruptive technologies covers all these new emerging technologies, including co-op 
cooperative ideas, autonomous vehicles, um, if that answers your question. But sometimes the boundaries are, are not so clear or still evolving. Okay, thank you, Clarissa. Another question from Andy. So it's asked, can I ask for a greater expansion of what on-board and off-board behaviour means? So the differences between the two and yeah, the expansion of it. Uh, I'm not quite sure on the, what kind of concept, uh, context about on-board or off. Oh, you are talking about, I think you may talking about the public transportation data mm. that I mentioned. Basically, it's talking about... Public transport, um, yeah. Yes, I think we talk about the public transport. On board means the uh, the passenger just touch on their their car, then on board the um, bus, and then they need to touch off when they off board the bus. I hope that answers your question because that is quite mm -hmm. unique in Queensland for go car. They need to touch on touch off. Some of the um, um, some of the electric uh, some of the electronic car doesn't need to touch off, mm -hmm. so it's different kind of working mechanics. Mm. Yeah, Andy's mentioned, yeah, your answer's good, and you've answered it, so that's good. Thanks, Clarissa. Thank Another question is, does the guide cover modelling to forecast induced demand? Good question. Uh, I think in this guideline, uh, we didn't go into that level of details, but that definitely part of the modelling uh, techniques could resolve. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, we received a question from Sally who mentioned she's a university student. Um, so she did a quick search um, online for the OSTRO 2016 report um, the use and application of micro simulation traffic models. It references Paramix which is a suite of software tools for microscopic traffic simulation. So can you explain a bit about this software? Uh, can, I, can you please repeat the question again? Sorry, I'm, um, the, yeah. the, the signal was a bit of loss, yes. Yeah. So in um, the OSTRO 2016 report, uh, the use and application Which? of micro-simulation micro traffic models, um, it mentions and references Paramix, which is a software tool for microscopic traffic simulation. So the use and application of micro-simulation traffic models. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, I think you are asking about the 2006 mm. um, Oslo yes, publication yes. instead of 2016. Yep. Yes, um, yeah. in that in that research, actually, the report itself is a high level. It's a guideline, but uh, mm. it followed uh, with a few um, additional Oslo research initiatives, which we published something called. Um, parameters, okay, let me check it for you, it's called the recommended standard model parameters for the micro simulation models. Mm -hmm. So that covers AIMSUN, QPARAMIX, VSIM, and we have a commentary tray that accommodates some of the findings during that stage, but again, uh, that was based to the best knowledge during that time, and we are keen to provide some updated value to provide, you know, more, um, recent or contemporary uh, guideline or principles for these few packages. I hope that answers the question. Yeah. yeah, thanks. Thanks for clarifying that one. Another question is on the research. There's a research report, the use of micro-simulation traffic models for on-road public transport. That was prepared in March 2012. Is this mm -hmm. also a key reference we could refer to? 
good question. I think I'm aware of that. And uh, usually the reference list was supplied by the jurisdictional um, working group members. And uh, okay, what I mean is um, there are something that, you know, this is the first time we have generated this chapter of the modeling guidelines. We are open for comments and discussion. And ha I'm happy to go back to review that um, particular document to say if that was put into my reference list. Thank you very mm -hmm. much. All right, thanks, Clarissa. And then this is um, a common question that comes up, which is how will the introduction of connected and automated vehicles affect the traffic studies and analysis or traffic management in general? I think that is a quite uh, quite important question. Yeah, we'll be asked this kind of question. Yeah, for, uh, I think yeah. the impact would be much more beyond the traffic analysis itself. Uh, in my view, at the current stage, the introduction of the cooperative ITS, the autonomous and connected vehicles are definitely these are the improved vehicle technologies that will enhance and enrich our data sources to a significant level compared to the traditional method. This is what we can say today. As I mentioned, that advanced IT technologies will be required, you know, cloud-based computing. Uh, mes uh, methodologies would be required in order to adapt to this kind of new data sources. But bear in mind, um, when we are moving to the autonomous and connected world, um, I think the impact is on every aspect of the traffic management, network operations, multimodal information sharing, it's not traffic survey itself. Um, what I can think of, because in Australia New Zealand, many of these kind of initiatives are still at a trialing or testing stage. Until we come to a certain percentage of penetration rate, we may not be able to say um, clearly, you know, what are the directions or strategies. But if I give you a live example. There was a recent initiative in the Netherlands, uh, if you're aware of, we called Talking Traffic. Basically, it was the first uh, government-funded um, initiative that provides a nationwide cooperative ITS services, and a consortium was formed between Siemens, the ITS device supplier, uh, Ericsson, the major communication supplier, and the Siemens car who provide the real-time data analytics. And after they formed the consortium, uh, in the six months' time, they were able to provide a nationwide cloud-based traffic information collecting and sharing system, which I believe is the first government-funded national cooperative ITS um, application. Mm -hmm. So by now, all the information collection, analysis, and sharing are based on the um, consistent platform. And any organizations, public and private sectors, who are willing to provide this kind of traffic information service are able to do that based on the same platform. And they plan to introduce more functions, including the payment, parking, transactions. And it is predicted that by 2010, this kind of system will be self-sustained. So I think that gives us a bit of different angle to think about what will be the impact of this disruptive technologies on our traffic studies. So my view again, that is much more beyond traffic studies that comes to the network operation, multimodal traffic information sharing, and much more. Mm. Okay. Thanks, Clarissa, for yeah, providing an answer for that one. Another question is, 
can IAP data be used as part of the new intrusive technologies? Is IAP a data set considered by Ausroads? Well, IAP data is definitely part of the new data sources, but in terms of application, I think I may need to consult some of the IAP experts, either in my team or in Ofsroad, to give you an answer later. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Thanks, Clarissa. Um, I believe that's all the uh, questions that we've received. So we'll end this session here, and we hope this uh, session was helpful for the audience. But if you do have any further questions, feel free to contact us, and yeah, we'll try to answer them as best as possible. So just before you leave, I'd just like to let the audience know of some upcoming webinars. So we encourage the audience to attend our next webinar, which is on in a week's time. So Ostro's recently completed a strategic review of the Guide to Traffic Management series, and we have a webinar to share the key findings and opportunities for Ostro's. It will be an interesting session, especially for users of the Guide to Traffic Management who are interested in its future development. And David Green from ARB is a presenter for that one. And our last session for the year is on the topic of oversized over mass vehicles, and that's on in December. So please go to our website for more information and to register. So as always, we'd love your feedback on the webinar. So please fill out a quick survey, which will pop up on the screen after the webinar. We have received some great suggestions and feedbacks on topics that you'd like us to cover in future webinars and would like your thoughts as well. So thank you to the audience for participating today. It was really engaging and lots of questions coming through, which is good. And we hope you could attend more of our webinars. And thank you, Clarissa, for presenting. Thank you. Thank you all. Thank you.